You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. And I don't know if I sound any different, but I'm excited to be back on my microphone back in the studio today after being on the road and speaking at a couple of different events. I actually broke uh, my my travel microphone uh, on that event. So uh, it looks like I'll be having to get a new travel microphone. But, you know, I wanted to kind of put out, you know, one of the things that, you know, I really have you know, been you know, kind of tap into my experience when it comes to, you know, kind of looking at this like early adoption market and we're really, you know, even bigger picture, but, you know, in the simplest, you know, kind of, you know, kind of premise is the idea of like, what is the difference between a, you know, a trend and a, you know, an actual someone that's like a copycat, right? And, you know, one of the things that we saw um, just, you know, just this week, uh, which was pretty much something that we've been looking for, counting down for maybe forever, um, it felt like. Um, and I say we as like, I don't have a, a bored ape or a mutant or dog. So, um, but we, you know, the, the trailer was dropped by uh, Yugala Labs, who of course own uh, the bored ape kind of franchise um, for their other side uh, metaverse play as well as the ape coin being dropped for uh, the coin you know which is their ERC 20 governance and utility token um, we saw all of that kind of dropped this week and you know there's no doubt that uh, you know board ape yacht club is the not, they're not just the blue chip they're the 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 front runner they're the they're in, in many ways, their actions since day one have really, um, you know, drastically impacted this space across the board. And and one of the things that, you know, we know, you know, is true is that there are a lot of people that kind of got in early with Bored Apes and then were able to kind of start their own collections. And then those collections now are, are massive collections uh, as well. But, you know, one of the things that, you know, I immediately thought of, and it, you know, I think it's one of those things that's kind of funny is that, you know, we saw in the trailer, if, they, if anyone hasn't seen the trailer, you can just go to the Yugo Labs uh, Twitter account. They've done a great job of, uh, you know, in their trailer, they actually tease out some other um, projects, right? There are other projects that are included in the trailer for um, the metaverse play. So there are some a couple other blue chips like Cool Cats, um, like Me Bits that are included in the actual trailer. Uh, which of course is alluding and full of Easter eggs, kind of giving you know, kind of a, a taste into what um, is to be expected. Uh, World of Women is in there uh, as well, and you know, I think you know, it's one thing that you know we know is that you know, for a lot of these big projects, that when they when you see a trend, right, and you look, you let one you know, one of the projects kind of you know, drop the mutants, right? What is the, what do the mutants mean? Um, how did that kind of get rolled out? You know, there's a tendency for projects big and small to be 
to kind of change their roadmap or to adapt and say, wow, look at, you know, they have their own government's token, their own government's coin. You know, maybe we should do that as well. But here's the truth. If you understand that like, kind of like the nuances there, you know, people were expecting um, the government's, the governance token from, you know, board ape, you know, they were really hoping to get it in the fall, right? There was a big um, kind of push and let's face it, you know, we know that the communities are very, uh, you know, patience is not something that is a virtue, but I will give a ton of credit to that team uh, at Yuga Labs, you know, for being patient. They didn't rush this out, right? We are in mid-March of 2022, uh, and that's six months, which in this NFT space is a long time. And I think a lot of that had to do with legality. A lot of that had to do with uh, kind of the organization of the company. They also, you know, Yuga Labs bought, um, you know, decided to buy, you know, now own uh, MeBits and CryptoPunks. Um, so they were, you know, kind of that's part of this you know, equation as well. And they're also the ones that, you know, with that much attention, with that much um, visibility, they also have, you know, the, the luxury and benefit of, you know, a lot of even the big players, like if you look at a lot of the big tools uh, companies or the big software companies, um, if you look at them, if you look at them from a whole, a lot of them are either there. There's board members on their in their company that have board apes. There's influencers that are investors in their in their brands. So, like one of the things we have to think about is like think about that. Like you know what are, what is the kind of like relationship that board ape has created right from an impact perspective now. Let's flip that on its head a little bit, right? A lot of people really focus on like, what is the next blue chip? And I think sadly, we see a lot of people rushing um, to want to be, you know, first or next or copycat. And I will tell you, like, the, the thing that scares me on, in a lot of this arena is that people don't really look at the mechanics. They don't look at the delivery. They don't look at the rollout. They don't even look at the marketing. They just look at like from a higher level, like, hey, Board apes had mutants, right? And then we need to have a you know derivative, you know, like a secondary or some kind of drinking of of something or eating a banana or whatever that may be, you know, in our collection. But in in a, many of those cases, the the community, the culture, even like the floor itself, has not become you know solid enough to sustain that. And I've mentioned this in a couple episodes recently that really you know something that bothers me is that you know we're seeing a lot of projects that that are I believe the first launch is maybe more successful than they planned or maybe it's just as successful as they planned but things are uh, aren't taking off like after the launch in a way that they want and then they're immediately jumping to okay what is the next thing I can get these current holders to buy and to me this is where it's like a such a blurred area right I I believe one of the things we have to think about is rather than saying like, what can I, you know, what, what is a project doing to get people to buy the next thing? It's actually what we should actually flip that and say, what can we airdrop? What can we create that creates the, the, the supply demand conversation at another level? Right. And so I'm going to put this out there because this is where, you know, copycatting, we're going to, we see copycatting in everything, right? We know Instagram stories came from Snapchat, right? We know, you know, this, this, just face it, like there's a lot of that, right? We know Twitter Spaces is a knockoff of Clubhouse, and um, and we know Periscope and and Meerkat kind of set the stage for Facebook Live and Instagram Live, but we also know that in uh, a lot of the you know cases in art and such. And I'm actually a fan of expansion projects, and so here's actually a prediction that I'm going to make: 
is that I actually think expansion projects uh, like uh, expansion punks, expansion apes, which I I hold both of those. Uh, we had the founder Jeremy from Expansion Punks on the podcast um, back in December, and uh, you know I would argue like one of the things that we that these projects can should think about is what if what if there's a collaboration project amongst like let's say two or three expansion projects where they're able to pull their kind of resources, their, you know, uh, utility, even maybe even their budget together to airdrop something that unifies amongst expansion projects. Maybe it's not even expansion projects. Maybe, maybe it's, you know, some of the derivative projects, right? And I look at derivatives versus expansions in the sense that, you know, derivatives of using kind of the art and adding something onto it. You could say, uh, you know, uh, ap- you know, apocalyptic apes is a, um, a derivative project where expansion punks looked at the original 10,000 collection and said, what is that collection missing? How can we expand that collection to 20,000? Well, it was 60% male, 40% female. There was no, there was zero non-binary characters, right? So now that we can flip that on its head, we can create 60% female, we can present 40% male, we can also include 1% um, non-binary to make it, you know, 0.5% on both, which is kind of um, what the population size, you know, kind of equivalent is. But when we also look at this, we also have to look at things like, you know, what, what are, how are DAOs being set up? And I've been really spending a lot of time. Uh, I, I had a flyback from LA uh, yesterday and a lot of my airplane time was really diving deep into DAO mechanics, DAO, um, not setting up a DAO. I think that's, um, you know, there's a lot out there on that, but I think actually like what, you know, who, who are the right people on these boards, on these, um, groups? How, what, what experience should they have? Right. Like this is something that we don't talk about. And I also think this is also one of the things that I've been looking at from a trends versus copycat perspective is, you know, are the type of holders that your project have similar to another project? And if they're not, and when I say type of holders, I mean, like, what is their, you know, you know, involvement in the NFT community? What is their investment strategy? What is their total money, you know, bag, um, look like? And like, and these are things that I don't hear, right? Like, like I would love to know what what are the total amounts of NFTs that a board ape holder that minted their board ape that still has not done anything, you know, has not sold it. What are the total number of NFTs that person has, right? And I will say, like, one of the things I I thought was really interesting about you know ApeCoin, you know, those that had you know board apes or, or mutants, um, you know, they were getting airdropped, you know, six figures in some cases, seven figures of this coin. And you know, I know many of my uh, friends in my circle that do have board apes, um, you know, they've never put it one for sale, they've never flipped one, they've never made a penny on it. So really, you know, when they look at this collect, when they look at what they have, they're you know, it's in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, but it's all you know, it was still kind of like a nerve wracking piece. Right. So for them, uh, I, I know one of, one of my, my good buddies and I, he asked me not to mention his name, um, which is funny because we, we engage on Twitter pretty often so people could have figured it out, but, uh, he liquefied, uh, liquidated, uh, I believe 80% of his ape coin, uh, because this was his like, Hey, I'm going to cash in a little bit and get paid. I can cover a lot of things that I want to cover with the, this coin and still hold on to my, um, you know, my board ape and, and kind of move forward that direction. I, I will also say like, those are the things that we have, we have to like really take into account, right? When we look at like the decisions that are a lot of these projects are going to make, we're, we're going to see like, I mean, let's face it, there have been a lot of mutant type deployments of a secondary 
uh, NFT that have failed, failed miserably and failed with big projects. There are other projects that have not done it, but they've been kind of waiting. And I think, you know, a lot of that is like, you know, how do I get a pulse of my of my community? But I actually think this is actually a, a trend that I want to see more of. And it's something that I'm going to be implementing here uh, with, you know, our community on our Discord is uh, I'm going to be hopefully, um, if, if, you know, for those that want to be a part of this, we're going to be surveying and kind of bringing in a lot more data. Um, and the goal is not to, you know, to, you know, I don't, I don't want to like snipe people's wallets, but I want to know like, you know, the person, the people that have, you know, let's just say, let's put world of women on that, right? Like, uh, what are the characteristics? What are the, the buying, selling, flipping behaviors of those that have a world of women NFT versus those that have a board ape? And then let's go like even like a step down, right? Like look, let's look at like dead fellas versus uh, let's say a project like um, psychedelics anonymous, right? Like what are the what are the what are their bags look like? Right? Like, and, and I think this is important because it also kind of determines you know everything from Discord engagement to talking about on social. Uh, this was a big conversation this past week, you know, and I'm preparing to you know head to LA for NFT LA. If anyone's going to be out there. Um, we might end up trying to do a meetup. We're also looking uh, at one of our sponsors to kind of uh, do a, a kind of a, a cool little event there. You know, I speak, I speak for a living. That's my full-time job is a, is a futurist and a keynote speaker. Uh, and so if anyone is looking to, you know, for me, that's one of the things that we're kind of connecting the dots here is right. We can, I'll come out and speak to an organization or to a group. Um, and then we can kind of uh, build in the podcast around that. And, and it's funny because, the other thing that I like I've really noticed is a lot of projects don't even know the general demographics of their current holders. Now, we know that there's turnover and this is something you know that I I I've, if you go back and listen to maybe I think it's episode 3 of this podcast, I talk about crypto dads and the fact that they have a heavy you know they have a heavy unique holder ratio, right? Their unique holder ratio is very very high. I believe it's still in the top 5. It always has been um, in the top 10. And that from like a community perspective, I actually think is a great thing. There's a lot of people in the community that, that care that are holding their one um, crypto dad. They love the crypto dad that they have. They're not going to sell it. Right. I, I was one of those people right now. I have uh, more than one, but um, originally had one for a long while. The one that I you know minted on the day that the you know, project sold out, but individual having a high in, like a too high of an individual holder uh, ratio oftentimes prevents enough secondary market traffic to generate enough money for the project, right? Now, having way too little is just really a shark grab, right? It's a lot of people holding on with, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of NFTs, right? And, and you know, I think that ratio, like any project when I'm, you know, and this is something we are studying, we're studying this, um, you know, I was, I'm buying an NFT, you know, every single day for a year and yesterday's you know, when we were coming down to make our decision for which project we were going to buy yesterday for our NFT uh, purchase, and and I'll you know kind of highlight that here in a second. You know, one of the things that I was looking at was when I'm looking at uh, some of the tools, I can actually see like how many how many of those that have minted. Right. So when I looked at the project, the project had uh, it was under whitelist. Um, they had minted two thousand uh, NFTs so far on their whitelist. And of the 2,000, right, you had the option of, of minting two um, on the whitelist. Uh, a majority of people, it seemed, minted one, right? There was a very high, um, you know, percentage. I believe it was like 1,600 individual owners of the first 2,000. And that's something I look at because if I look at a project and 
let's say they allow people to buy up to 10, or maybe it's not even that they allow it, but there are, there are, you know, sharks in the water, right? So what happens usually is that people will buy, you know, the project and then some people will flip, you know, pre-reveal. And, and I've shared that, go back and listen to my three by three by three strategy. That's actually the same thing that I've been doing a lot lately is that I buy three of a project. One of them I flip before the art is revealed because in, in many cases, the floor will go up. Um, in some cases, two X, two and a half X, what we minted the, the project for. I can flip that and cover my cost of my other two, uh, you know, pre-reveals. And then I wait for the reveal on those other two. But um, with that being said, like with that in mind, like kind of like thinking strategically, when I'm looking at projects to purchase, I want to know, uh, you know, like if I if I jump into the project and let's say they're fifty percent minted out, and fifty percent minted out, so they have five thousand that are you know around five thousand that have been sold or purchased, and their total individual holders is four hundred six, and I'm I'm actually looking at a a collection right now on the screen. That scares me. That is not a project that I um. I, I'm going to have to do a little bit of research. Like, why is that? Because let's face it, you know, there, there's two kind of, you know, coins of thought this, right? Like one, there can be some heavy whales that will hold a, a bunch that maybe they can protect the floor. Maybe they can be there for the long run. There's also the the tendency for that to mean that there are some people that are going to just kind of drip out their collection around that floor and they're okay making 0.1 ETH on each one of them, right? Because remember, when you're dealing with some of these bigger bags, they can take a smaller profit margin off of each one because they're they're multiplying that over their entire collection. Where, you know, your average holder is like, hey, I don't want to just make 0.1 on a project that I did research on. You know, I'm trying to make, you know, a half a ETH or whatever it is. I'm not sure what, you know, the average person is looking at that. But for them, they're like, hey, I only need to make, you know, a 0.1 profit. So as soon as it gets above you know, a certain amount that we bought these for, we're going to start, you know, liquefy, we're going to start putting these out there. there. We've also seen, you know, moves where um, there's floor manipulation, where someone that holds a bunch of NFTs can put out 20 of them at below floor price. And then all of a sudden that gets others scared. And then people then sell theirs even f- lower than that. And then what happens is that person buys all of those that are extra low and then removes theirs off of the market. And now they were able to actually just build their bag by, you know, kind of force, you know, kind of manipulating people or forcing people, um, you know, to sell lower. And, and yet right now that's, there's nothing illegal about that. It's just, you know, something you have to be prepared for. And so I look at a lot of those things. The other thing I like to look at when it comes to, you know, individual holder percentages and, uh, you know, individual holders is, you know, they're also, you, you want people that are, you know, talking about, you know, let's say the, the traits or the properties. Uh, and you also want some kind of identity attached to the different aspects of these projects. Right. And I think some of the ones that I've been disappointed in that, you know, we've bought in our collection um, and they just haven't, you know, been as successful as I thought they might be. And, you know, and I'll say that some of them still have a little ways to go. Um, you know, some of them, what I, I believe one of the, you know, some of their mistakes are, and, you know, and I, I'm not going to call out the projects itself, but I'll give kind of like some general examples is that when the art, is so similar from like the the average vanity point. There's a little bit less like FOMO or caring about the project. Now, I'm not talking about rarity. I don't care. The rarity part is such a lesser thing in the discussion here for me. What I'm looking at is like looking at projects and saying like, what are, what are the, you know, can I really, when someone posted as their profile photo or they shared on Instagram, is there something that like, that is really jumps out about that, that, 
you can kind of stand out. And I'll use my crypto dad, for example, right? I have the, it's the Kobe girl dad jersey. It's number 24 jersey on it, right? They, it's not a unique trait, but it became something that kind of was attached to. And I like love that Kobe, you know, series. And when anyone sees that, we like, we feel identity to that where there's other projects where they didn't really go with a, like a heavy rarity, but they also didn't go with anything that like really stood out. Right. And, and there's ones back, you know, I remember minting, you know, everything from, you know, initial art to, you know, like, you know, how similar this, you know, these things look like. And, and I think the, the beauty of a lot of this art, you know, not only is the, you know, is beauty in the eye of the beholder, but it's also like how we see ourselves or see something within the art. Right. And I think that's something to, to think about now. The reason I bring all of this forward is that when I, when I'm looking at projects, so we're going to see a lot of projects that are going to have their own coin, right? And we have our own coin here at the project podcast, um, which is a little bit different, but it's just funny because I would love, you know, someone that is in the, the coin crypto side to do a breakdown on kind of like the difference between a, a layer two, um, you know, coin like the one that I have, which is the ADHD coin over at rally versus what, you know, the ape coin is and, and kind of breaking that down. I don't know enough about the nuances there on the crypto side of the house. Um, and, and maybe some people that are listening to this, you can jump over in the discord and share your, your kind of view on the, the you know main differences between um, these two and, and anyone, and I understand the difference between a, a main net coin, um, you know, which is rally the RLY coin is really the, the main uh, ethe- you know, Ethereum based coin that my coin is kind of uh, bonded to. So I understand those nuances, but I'm thinking of it more from the standpoint of, you know, what if every individual holder of the, you know, NFT project that I'm, you know, the PFP project that I will be, uh, you know, dropping down the road. And one of each one of them, when they were, you know, when you mint, you know, let's just say, you know, Fanzo's, you know, NFT project, you also get a certain amount of ADHD coin, right? I can connect those two dots. It wouldn't be very hard for me to build that into the smart contract. And now the, you know, the two that you can sell, you know, the, you can sell your NFT and keep your coin. You can sell your coin, keep your NFT. There's some like weird, there's some things we can play there, but here's the, here's the piece that I wanted to kind of, kind of bring a lot of this together. And, you know, we have the, the meta athletes project uh, for you that have been following along. We, we interviewed Kevin, who is a uh, major leaguer that actually just got traded uh, and excited him to be on the Oakland athletics now. But uh, Kevin is the artist behind meta athletes, which is a team, a project that I became a member of. Uh, I'm on their, on the team with Drew, who is the producer of this podcast. And uh, we're, you know, rolling out through the whitelist. Uh, you can kind of verify your whitelist uh, today if you want to jump in, if you're listening to this right now, if you're listening to this uh, a couple of days after the the project, I would definitely check out, you know, Meta Athletes on Twitter, metaathletes.com, you know, and in full transparency, I am part of that project. Um, it's been a project that I've been a part of now for many months from um, advisory, from really even just from, you know, partnering up. I just believe that they're focused on, uh, education on amplification. Uh, actually, my my pin tweet, which I will include in the show notes here, just in case it's no longer uh, my pin tweet, is I, I did a pin tweet on you know why I joined uh, the Meta Athletes team, and you know I believe they're a mission based project focused on both empowering high performers and uniting athletes to grow and learn in the Web three space. Uh, the other part that I really love about this uh, project is it's for high performers and athletes, um, and it's created by high performers and athletes. And to me, that's a that's a big piece of this entire puzzle, right? When we think about you know what 
projects we want to be a part of. I will also say there are a plethora of athletes, everyone from Cole Tucker, you know, go Pittsburgh Pirates, to Tyson Ross, who's been a guest here on the podcast, to uh, Roger Clemens. There's some really great uh, people involved in, uh, in the project as well, some great coaches. Um, you know, big shout out to, you know, we have, you know, Lee, Lee is part of that team. We have Coach Patel. Uh, we have Carson Jones is involved in there. Um, you know, Tony Peck, shout out to Carl uh, Pololi. So, I mean, like there's a, there's a really a great group of humans that are involved in that project. But when I, when I look at like all the things combined, right, like what we're looking at at meta athletes, you know, I will say fully transparently, you know, like there, there's been discussion on like how we are going to learn from what I've done with the ADHD coin, right? The ADHD coin, um, you know, our, our total coins in circulation are now up close to, you know, up over 150,000 coins uh, in circulation. I know many of you here on the podcast, I think we're, we're averaging almost eight to 10 uh, new coin signups a day right now, which I am just blown away by and, and so thankful for. And uh, you can sign up for a free account. You don't even have to pay for, uh, you know, account. You don't need to have a wallet uh, on the on one of the crypto markets. Like it's partially why I love the entry point for the coin to be in and you can, you can join without having to be fully in on NFTs. Uh, you can, you create an account just like you would on any website. Um, and then you can actually purchase directly on the website if you want to with like your credit card or your debit card, or if you want to use cryptocurrency, you can do that as well. Uh, unless you're in New York, I think New York right now is the, is the only state that is completely boxed out of, of that experience. But I say all of this because here's the, here's the different nuances that I put out there is just, just, just what I explained there, right? Like I just broke down kind of like the, if you think about it, like, a lot of these projects are going to copycat a solution, a, a you know, a coin, a mutant. But are they looking at it from the other data points, right? Like, who are the teams made up of? What do the owners look like? Where is the what is the long term objectives of the projects? What is the turnover rate? Like, you know, like that's another thing that you know, from a data perspective, like the people that are buying and sell selling in the project is the same group of people selling, or is it you know? You know, I, I little. I mean, this is data that I like to track, right? So, like, you know, uh, of the people that bought that mint the original project, how many of them still hold it on month one versus month three, right? Uh, um, and I don't, I don't know that's data a lot that's presented. I, I, I wonder, like, even board apes, like, I would love to know, you know, of the ten thousand, uh, you know, board apes, how many of the the original minters um, still hold. Um, their NFT and how many of them bought a ton of them, right? Like we had, uh, we had someone here on our show, Franklin, if you go back and listen to that episode, you know, Franklin holds 37 bored apes. So he became a very rich multimillionaire uh, the other day because of the ape coin. So shout out to Franklin. Congratulations. Um, well-deserved. Um, but it, you know, a lot of them he minted and there were a lot of other ones that he just started picking up early on and um, he buys and sells, um, you know, probably, I, I feel like he goes like in a, he'll sell seven of his board apes and buy eight more in the next week, right. That he, that he wants to hold on to. And he, he'll like kind of fluctuate back and forth in that area. But I like, these are things that I think we have to be able to start to look at this data. Like I, I'm, I'm playing, I want to play in this game at a level that is not just vanity, that is not taking one data point. I want to know percentage ownerships. I want to look at, um, you know, those that are, you know, who, what's the percentage of those that are active in our discord um, in the first month? You know, how many do they hold in their bag? What is their average holding of their of, of those NFTs? And the question, a lot of this is like, how do we get that data? Right. And I think a lot of this can be found uh, through the blockchain, um, but this also can be found through our community our ability to really engage and give value, right? What if, what if these communities were able, you know, were 
know, to sign up on for a whitelist within your project, you have to fill out this survey, right? And the survey can be anonymous, right? You don't, I don't really care about the, um, you know, we need some kind of validation, right? That, that it's actually the person that is who they say they are, but it can be anonymous as far as connecting it to the data. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of that side of the house, but this is where, I mean, I mean, I will tell you the amount of notes that I have, and I haven't shared this yet on the podcast. So, you know, this will be an episode that we'll have to go back to a year from now when we're still doing the show. The amount of notes I have that I've been taking since about, let's see, about August, August of 2021, I started taking notes on nuances and things within projects that I wanted to better understand before I launched my own project, but also so that I could advise and be a part of other projects. So I will tell you, you know, I'm sharing all of this with the Meta Athletes team. I'm not holding a single thing back like from like a project that I dropped because here's the truth. The team behind Meta Athletes will also be involved with me and the project that we are dropping. They are, you know, we are we are one in um you know very intertwined in the in the kind of conversation the way that we kind of move forward. Um, I will also say, you know, I haven't had, you know, for me, Kevin and Drew, the founders of Meta Athletes have really driven home a lot of um, the decisions. And I've been focused really on the education side here with the podcast, as well as within the community, as well as even for, you know, advisors and those that are a part of, of their project. But I'm going to just kind of leave you with this as far as when we're thinking about this bigger picture. When you see a project roll out something and you're wondering if it's a copycat or if they're just jumping on a trend, what you need to do is you need to, you know, we need to look and identify, okay, what are, the, what are the similarities in what they're doing? And then we need to look at the project itself. Like, okay, the project that they're, they're, they're doing something similar when that project's been around for eight months. This project's been around for two months, right? Okay, now we're looking at some of these differences. That project has this many individual holders. This one has this many individual holders. This one, the, it minted at 0.3. This one minted at 0.04, right? So looking at that risk um, entry point. There's some other data that we want to factor in as well is like, what benefits does someone have for holding their NFT since the beginning versus jumping in and jumping out? I will tell you, there's two projects right now that I... I got in, I, I was able to hold them for a little while and I got out. And I will tell you, I got out because I needed, not only did I want the liquidity, but I, in my full being, I believed that they, their next rollout, like the, the, the next piece of their roadmap would be down the road a ways. But when it rolls out, it's going to be a game changer. And I just assumed I would be able to jump back into the project for very close to what I got out of it with, from. Um, Right now, my prediction is correct, right? I can jump out of a project. I don't have to hold that NFT. I can splash around, use that liquidity, and then uh, be prepared to jump back in the project when the project's actually aligned and like the next phase, which I think is really going to take off, um, is going to be a part of that. And, you know, there are other projects that I believe once they're like, once they're their very first like true utility comes out, like that's going to be the game changer. And the question just becomes, how long do I believe it's going to take for that to happen? Right? Like what is the, 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 the kind of space around that? So that's where I'm going. I, you know, I really think we have to do our own research on deciding, you know, are, are we following trends and realizing like, Hey, if, if the market is being educated by bored apes on what it means to deploy um, a, you know, a coin, 
are we going to be able to, hey, do we want to piggyback on that? Because, hey, if they're educating everybody, then we can kind of follow along. Or maybe the APE you know, project, you know, for me, like fully transparently, right? Like I was, I was able to, what I did was I decided it was a great point time for me to take my other three airdrops, uh, coin airdrops that I had, that received, and I moved them over to APE. Um, right away, right when um, ApeCoin was kind of dropped. So I, I believe I got in at like $7.43. Uh, and I was able to, to move over all of that. So I didn't take any liquidity from um, directly from my own um, you know, wallet. I moved the other airdrop coin. So really, it was the free money that I've just been holding on to. I decided to move all of that over into um, Ape. And so I have, uh, I think, 223 um, ape coins right now at the moment, uh, and I'm not sharing that for anything other reason, just to you know be transparent and honest about my my take on this. And and part of it is is like I believe in that brand. Like I'm not betting on, you know, it's not even really betting on NFTs. I'm betting on the brand of Board Ape that they that they they haven't proven us wrong right yet. They they took a, a good while to you know their team wasn't doxed until a good while. They they ended up buying you know the lab that owned CryptoPunks and MeBits. Um, and they've also just made a lot of like very calculated collaborations, everything from Adidas um, to even, you know, how, you know, they use their IP rights, right? And they, these are all things that I think get factored in. But here's the truth is I don't believe I'm going to ever own a, a board Ape. Um, I actually probably don't even believe I'll ever own a, a mutant. I, I, I'm a fan. I believe uh, we should be cheering them on as a community because the more that they find success, the more that they educate the market, the better off we all are. We all benefit from that. And I think that's that has to be our mindset and our approach. But I also will say this is that like, I mean, I'm going to find ways that I can learn. There's going to find ways to be entry points. Um, I'm also, you know, you know, there's some, a couple other projects that I'm involved in that I you know, put my name in the hat to be a part of their um, their council or be on their their DAO organization because I want to be you know intertwined in a lot of these projects and you know there's some projects that are out there that have reached out to me recently I know I was just thinking about this from this episode some people are going to listen to this episode and they're probably going to reach out and say hey I want you to be a part of our our team our board um, I will first off say like go back and listen to the social equity uh, episode of the show where I talk about things that. I believe people should be doing before they make an ask. Um, the amount of asks that I get for people to, hey, you come in our Twitter space or check out our project, yet you're not even following me on that uh, that account. You're not even willing to share out the podcast. You're not even willing to be, um, you know, kind of, you know, you, you want you want something before you've even been willing to even show that you're interested in, you know, what we have going on. But, um, you know, as a as a bigger kind of you know piece of this is. You know, things have to be aligned, right? I think we have to look at projects, like what are all the you know, strategic moves projects are doing. We also have to do that from a thought leader perspective and a um, a project leader perspective. And this is something that really is important to me. We, we talk about this in the influencer space, but there are a lot of people right now that are splashing around that are, you know, semi-involved in other projects that are going to launch their own projects this summer, this fall. And the thing we have to be willing to do is go look into say what what was their relationship with those projects where they what was their role and I, I think in this blockchain doesn't lie world where everything is kind of on the blockchain we really do have to start you know holding people accountable but also allowing you know their track record um, to stand for what it is right and and many of you know that like I'm a big fan of slow burn um, NFT projects and I I've been proven right over and over again on projects that you know 
I'm doing my research on, I'm buying them when they're not trendy, not not selling out overnight. Many of them have taken a couple of weeks, months to to mint out. But I understand like the commitment from the team, the organization, and and I'll tell you like the meta athletes. Whenever I started talking to Kevin, you know, Kevin is um, he's a rookie this year uh, in the major leagues, and and one of the things that we were talking about was you know this to him is the project and legacy that meta athletes will be around throughout his entire career. And once he retires, this is where he continues to extend his brand, his reputation along with Drew, the other co-founder. And to me, when you're looking to invest in projects and you're looking to understand them, you know, who was thinking of it like a business? Who's thinking about this as the brand that they're creating for the, the, not just the next one year or even five years, but like, this is the brand um, they want associated with them forever, right? It's the one they want to kind of hook their uh, their name to. And so I think there's a lot of these things that go into it. And that also needs to go into us understanding the copycat versus trends and also understanding, you know, what things we want to be a part of, what projects we want to be a part of, who do we want to support? And lastly, you know, also, you know, what are the people we want to get behind? I think we can learn a lot by following the lead of others. We don't have to do all the research ourselves. If there are some people in this space that align with your purpose, your passion, and you see them, you know, jumping into a project or amplifying a project, or they are, you know, like, wow, they're really all in on, you know, this style of, uh, you know, NFTs. Like maybe that's something that we can like become better at because I think right now we've been using way too much just vanity and assumptions when we have all of this information or we, we can have all of this information uh, at our disposal. So I'll do an episode in the near future on, you know, some of these uh, ways that we're going to bring in some of the data from you, the listeners. I also dropped in our discord uh, for those that are listening. You know, if you are a, a thousand ninety three three true fan NFT holder. So if you hold one of our, you know, we have multiple NFTs for the the podcast, but if you're one of our, you know, 1093 true fans, NFT holders, or you bought one of them on the secondary market, which you can do that over at ADHDcoin.com, um, you are going to be have the opportunity to get your voice heard on the podcast. So we're going to be rolling out something in the very near future. By near future, I mean the next couple episodes where we're going to be able to drop in a, a link and it's going to be a gated link that you have to have this NFT to actually get um, access to the the link to where we're, we're going to be able to submit and you can just record your voice on your phone or on the browser, record your question, your comment, and then we're going to bring it into the podcast and really bring some of the community's voices in here. So I'm excited to bring a lot of you in uh, to be a part of that. Uh, we're also going to do something for the ADHD coin holders. So those that are holding a certain amount of coin um, are going to get a little bit uh, additional access that we haven't um, rolled out yet. Uh, and then lastly, you know, we the whitelist for meta athletes, we dropped... You know, all of the founders, if you hold a founders NFT for the the podcast for Mint 365, you have you are put on the white list for meta athletes. We also are going to be uh, rolling that out with a couple other projects that we are collaboration with. And then if you have our, you're a super fans holder, which we are now, I believe we are under 75 of those available right now. Uh, so there's only 75 or so left of the 365. Uh, if you hold one of those, you're going to unlock um, some additional uh, benefits when it comes to you know other projects, whitelists, but also other projects being able to get in um, you know after they've already minted out, right? Being a little bit more established. So lots of fun things in the works. Um, lots of you know I I really think you know this day um, is a day that we are the projects are really shooting up. I think. The, the amount of liquidity that was just dropped into the market via the ApeCoin 
we are going to be riding a high for a good while now in NFTs. So for those that have made it this far, you've been holding, you haven't been selling at the bottom, you haven't been paper handing, you've been ready, or maybe you've been waiting your liquidity until you knew the market was kind of bottoming out. You know, this is not financial advice. I do recommend you DYODR, which is do your own damn research. But I do believe we are right now, right at that tipping point where we're about to pop off and that excites me because now we're going to see some, you know, project innovation. We're going to see some some liquidity being thrown around, and and uh, you know, just buckle up your seatbelt and uh, hopefully enjoy the ride. So until tomorrow, my friends, make it a good one. Cheers. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. 